1: Everyone, and Welcome back to the when greatest I'm running winning. podcast in the world. Peak too early. I'm one of your hosts, Steve Jenner, and I'm joined by Mike Jenner, who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? Good, Steve. I, um, I hopped on a track this weekend for, I, I kid you not, I think the first time since I graduated college, and here are some takeaways from my experience on the track. Uh, experience number one, running on a track stinks doing workouts on a track racing on a track everything about a track stinks number two if you're gonna wear a singlet on a track you should probably put on some sunscreen because my pale white arms got burnt to a crisp and number three there's something about being on a track that makes you feel like you are getting so much better at running i could have done that exact same workout on the roads but for whatever reason i'm on the track and i feel fast as hell so you guys should be a little nervous Number four, if you haven't already, sign up for the P2E 2-Miler. Go to peak2early.com to sign up. You're running out of time. We're filling up. You got to do it now before it fills up. And we are without Trent. He is not at the House of Sav. Trent is once again on vacation. That guy goes on more vacations than anyone I've met in my life. But we do have ProFlow at the 27 Video Production Studios. Proflow, how you doing, bud?
2: Steve, I'm doing great. I am actually counting down the days to a vacation myself. So I'm kind of just piggybacking off of Trent there. So I'm just one day at a time this week trying to get there. But the big news for 27 video is weddings are back. Wedding season. Just had my first wedding in a long time in somebody's backyard. It was beautiful. The people were buzzing. There was a lot less of them. But it was just, it felt good to be with people. There's love. And, you know, we got the kids hitched and it went great. So, I don't know. 27 Video is going. We're ready to go.
1: Yeah. If you, if you have a wedding coming up and you need some type of video production, you know, some, some nice little high right, highlight reel for, for social media, you know, 27 Video is the place to do it. And this isn't, this isn't a paid advertisement. You know what I mean? This is me speaking from, you know, experience. You know, if you have a wedding coming up, twenty-seven video, Pat Florence is your guy. Hit him up, boys. We use this this time at the top of the show before news to kind of back not backtrack, but kind of talk about some of the hate that we're getting after the previous episode. And you know, Let's do it the the amount of heat that i got well so i'll say i got is just as much i got a ton of positive responses to my heavyweight champion of the world comments as i got negative but the negative comments that i got were from the football players like i, I didn't see this coming but the former football players the guy the people who haven't run a step in their life they were coming at me for saying that i could beat everybody in the nfl in a mile within six months and i and i believe that and here's the thing listen i'm not here to say i'm a better athlete than professional football players like they play a real sport you know running you can debate if it's a real sport or not or whatever they are significantly more well-rounded athletes the thing about running what makes you good at running is if you do it a lot and if you don't do it a lot you cannot be good at distance running so as an NFL player, you're not doing a ton of distance. you're not doing hardly any distance running. You might run a mile or a couple, you know, two miles here and there. You're doing sprints. A 350-pound lineman could smoke me in a 40-yard dash because that's what football is. It's about short bursts of speed. I'm digging my feet in the ground. I'm I'm making a stance right now, and I'm saying that there is not a single NFL player in the world. Or, well, there's, it's only played in one country. But there is not a single NFL player in the league right now that could beat me in a mile within six months. Now, if Odell Beckham decided to, to quit his career as a professional football player and start training for the mile, yeah, in a, in a year and a half, he'd give me a, a real good run for my money. But within six months, not a chance in hell. So, I, I mean, I have a couple issues with this. And Flo, in a second, I'm going to let you take it because I feel like this is really your issue. But two things I quickly want to get into is, one, with these football people are focusing on the wrong thing because in the original segment we did, we were talking about professional runners, milers being able to just gain weight and, and beat you in a race. So I still stand behind that. If we want to get back into that in a little bit, we can. But I'll let Flo do the football thing. But also – I was listening to an interview with future friend of the program, Donovan Brazier, and he was talking about how when he had talked about, uh, you know, entering the NFL as a wide receiver, he was welcomed by the NFL community. And we kind of poo pooed it, and I still am kind of a little iffy on if he could be an NFL wide receiver. But he said he had multiple NFL wide receivers reach out to him and welcome him in. And he said that the problem with track and field is that when people like Tyree Hill say that they want to – you know, crossover into our sport, we push them away and we, you know, aren't as welcoming as the NFL is. So Steve, I guess what I'm asking you is, are you part of the problem by saying that the NFL is not going to be able, that we're not welcoming in the NFL into our sport? No, no. I In fact, I mean, it sounds like you in are. fact, I, 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 I welcome anybody, any NFL player out there right now. If you want to set up a time in the track at some point in the next six months, let me know when and where, and I
2: will be there. All right, let me go. So here's my thing. First of all, Steve, you're, you are my teammate. Okay. You're on a podcast together. I would never bet against you ever. You're my teammate, man. But if I was going to bet against you, this is what I would say. I would say, I think you're underestimating NFL football players and their speed, especially if you're going to not factor in the 200 pound the rule that was put in place. Cause you haven't mentioned that yet. And I think here's my thing on the distance. This is a separate debate. All right, well, hold on. This into a separate debate. Okay, well, hold on. And then I think the other thing, I agree with you about this distance running thing that not everybody can do it. It takes a long time to be good at it. I think your issue is the mile. I just don't think the mile is that long. I think they can sustain at their speed longer than you think they can. If you go anywhere over a mile, I think you would win. But again, you're my teammate, so I got you. Pat, Pat. So let's say, what do you think just
1: just from a because this is why we brought you in we get we brought you in from the non-runners perspective right and so your your opinion here is going to be very valuable if you're Thank training you. for a mile let's say let's just say it we won't even say at the pro level we'll say it at the college level right if you're you're a mid-level college you know college miler what do you think your weekly mileage is on average um so a weekly mile so how many miles do you think yet you, you run in the week to train for a mile 70. Okay. Right. Yeah, that's a really good answer. That's a really good answer. What do you think? What do you think an NFL player's weekly mileage is?
2: See, you're you're playing right into what I'm saying. It doesn't matter. All you got to do is get on the track and run around it four times as fast as you can. See, I that's, 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 that's where why you, you're hurting so so your argument. That's where you're
1: hurting your argument. Okay. I think, I think you can be as naturally gifted and talented as an athlete as you want, but if you're not putting in miles, you're not just going to step on the track and and run a crazy fast mile it's just not, not going to happen know and no, even, even, even the greatest professional matter. athletes in the world can't just step on a track the argument the football people should be making is not that one the argument they should be making is if they dedicated time to it then they they could they be to? they could be uh you know a uh, middling distance runner in a mile and that I could buy off on right if these super athletes decided you know what I'm gonna start pounding mileage I'm gonna use my athletic ability to train and and go after a mile now we're talking but there I mean there's just no way in hell that any professional football player right now could step on the track and run like you know a 440 mile I'm just not buying not a chance not a chance so, and, and here's, here's the messed up thing about our sport, Pat. Here is like the crazy thing about the sport. And it, it makes me wonder why anybody does it in the first place, right? Where, you know, I've, I've maintained a certain level, you know, I've, I've definitely fallen off significantly in the past couple of years, but I've made a certain level of fitness. Like I've done, you know, tried to hit like 20 to 30 miles a week for the past couple of years, just kind of stay in shape where if I want to start training again, I can. And if I say, you know what? I want to get fast again, right? I want to get fast in the mile again. I want to get fast in the 5k, whatever. If I pick a race and it's like, all right, well, in 14, 15 months, I'll be there. That's the messed up thing about our sport. You You can't just say, okay, I'm going to get in shape and be ready to run, ready to race. Like, it just doesn't work like that. It's just like, well, you know, I'll change my lifestyle for the better part of a year and then maybe I'll be there.
2: So all right, I just help my brain understand this. I think I'm with a lot of people that are listening to this podcast. don't have a lot of running experience. If you go up against Richard Sherman, because he's the one that I said was, you know was close to 200 pounds that I think would be a good athlete, I don't know. Um, there may be somebody better. He's going to get a better start than you. Do you agree or no? No. Oh, he, no, he, well, might, get a, he okay, might get a he start, but, okay, okay. He might get a. He might get a that, better start in the first forty yards. Thing. It doesn't Just mean let anything. Let me ask my question. Well, that, that doesn't, that my doesn't my matter question. in a mile. He, it doesn't matter. If, if he gets a better start than you, at which point are you going to pass him? If he gets a better start, if Richard Sermon gets a better start than me, yes, he doesn't.
1: He he won't. He won't make it a full lap ahead of me. I, I mean, he wouldn't. So, is the start doesn't matter in a mile? The the it mile really doesn't. It's all about pacing, and it's all about you know, being perfect for four laps in a row, it doesn't matter about how hard you go out because you can't just go out and run as hard as you can for a full mile. Your body can't sustain At that. Which, now, if, if we were stepping on the track for a 400, just like one lap around the track, I don't stand a chance. I don't, a mean, chance. Steve, I don't Steve stand stands, a chance. Zero chance. I don't you stand a chance Absolutely obliterated. I'll be the first. And you know what? And I'll even say this, I'll even say this 800 really close probably lose i will i will probably lose an 800 I th- yeah sure i'll probably lose an 800 all right so but, that answers
2: my question It'd be if you were if he was going balls to the wall third lap is when you're gonna overtake him based on like how much running he's done no not in a mile
1: no no yeah but he's saying he's saying if right. if you weren't pacing for a mile if richard sherman was just going out there running as hard as he possibly could how long could yeah. he he keep i mean but how long if, could he but, stay but ahead but of
2: you? Here, here you go here's the thing pat if he's on that pace he doesn't make it past two laps Okay. Well, that's my question because I, again, I think the average person is just going to assume an NFL player is just going to step out there and just be crushing the so, time around so, for a couple of times. And, but you know, again, so, so I, think so we need I to, don't, that's why we need to do it. I don't want to go
1: any further down this, down this road here because people are probably sick of listening to it. But I, what I, what I do want our listeners to do is Pat, what's your Twitter?
2: uh florigan seven, florigan. Two seven, florigan, florigan seven two seven. F f-l-o-r-e-g-o-n 727
1: florigan florigan 727 what's your what's your instagram same thing okay same thing everybody that's listening to this and losing their mind listening to pat i need you to tweet him or send him a, a dm and explain to him why he is very very wrong and on that boys let's kick off the running news all right gentlemen so i don't want to get too much into this because we've you know kind of talked at nauseam at this point about time trials i just kind of want to acknowledge the fact that a couple more happened this this past week a couple more teams went after it. we had team boss go after it and we saw some you know some pretty badass fast times there we saw reebok boston go after a uh mile time trial so you know the time trials are still happening every team's kind of doing their thing and uh the sport that's kind of what our our sport is right now but the, you know there's not a whole lot to dissect there so just kind of wanted to acknowledge what's happened what i do want to get into and this is a story that i think happened uh you know a couple weeks ago now at this point but i want to get into it anyways so kevin castile he's a uh, masters runner and just dominating the sport. He's like 48 years old, just a, you know, a, a dominant master's runner. He just got a four-year ban for drug use as a 40-year-old man in the sport. So I got a couple questions on that. So I want to pose to the boys. Number one, should there be anti-doping laws once you get past the age of 45? Because to me, it's like <laughs> – come on this is the wild west now let's just let's just let the boys go at it if you at 45 years old you know want to do some drugs and make it happen and you know just have it the wild west out there with all these old guys i say let's do it what do you think mike you took the words right out of my what are we doing if if there's there's no money involved if there's no money involved and you're not making a career off of this and you're spending a significant amount of your income probably on these drugs to make yourself a faster 45 year old, hey, let it rip, baby. Let it rip. I'm off <laughs> what do we do? A four year a four year ban from what?
0: A four year ban <laughs> from what exactly?
1: Can he not show up to like a local ten K and just like blast everybody? Like we're gonna go to some charity road race and we're gonna stop this guy I mean, from just smashing crazy times. Get out of here. Think of the amount of money that this guy is spending on this shit, right? Like he must be spending so much money (laughs) on this to make, you know, to, to, you know, get an advantage at his, you know, you know, USATF, whatever race. I mean, it's, it's whatever. I mean, you know, we want a clean sport, but we want a clean sport for the people that are trying to make a career off of this. And, you know, nobody's making a career off of being a master's runner. So who cares? And and I don't mean it's like mock masters running right I think it's one of the more badass elements of our sport Is these guys over the age of 40 going out there and crushing guys like you and I like we would stand no chance against this guy whether he was probably doping or not but so I don't mean to like downplay what those guys are doing but if I'm being completely honest with you like this whole drug testing like the probably the amount of money that like you know USADA is investing into drug testing the masters division it's like you know what? Maybe let's take that money, give it to the AIU and come up with a better system for, you know, what they're doing. Cause nailed it. Who the hell cares if some guy, I mean, if this guy wants to use drugs at 48 years old, he's, he's a grown ass man. Let that man make the choices that he wants to make. Yeah. Mike. I don't know. I mean, yeah. Every single cent that you are spending on testing people that you know are not making a career out of the sport please put that money into figuring out a better system to test the people that are making a career out of the sport so i'm all there and yeah and and to your point mike i remember after the usatf cross country like you said the, the thing that was most impressive to you was watching the masters races like you said you loved watching that so in no way are we putting down masters racing or age category racing because we think that's one of the beautiful parts of the sport one of the coolest parts of the sport but yeah it's like i don't care <laughs> i just don't care and like a four-year ban for 48 year olds like i i think obviously he can still run and do like non-usatf races right but like as far as like this this sanctioned events if you're 48 years old a four-year ban seems like a little out of control Dude, dude's gonna be 52 by the time he can compete in these again like want to just give them a lifetime ban at that point you know what i mean like what are we doing this just seems, it just seems a little wild to me but. So actually- and, and, and hold on and 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 i mean if you're caught if you're caught using drugs like you know if you get you know you you should become a pariah in the sport and get kicked out of a you know lose a bunch of years essentially you know i want if if you're if you're popped You know, I, I, I want significant steps to damage your career. Like, that's how I feel. Like I, I want that when you're popped, I want, I want, uh, you know, things that, that, you know, severe, but if you're pushing 50 and you get popped and you're at a local road race, does it not become the funniest thing in the world? I like mean, they, like i mean imagine that guy be like this guy over here got pop and or drugs or you know trying to win a local they're, 5k they're, they're all hammering back beers at like the you know the post-race party afterwards and some official comes running jogging over where they're like five beers deep and being like uh excuse me sir
0: can we talk to you for a second here
1: <laughs> Oh my god! so the last story we want to get into and uh you know, we, we don't need to get too deep into this, but I think it's worth mentioning that, you know, legend of the sport, Jim Ryan, was given the Presidential Medal of Freedom this past week. Pretty big deal, you know, one of the highest honors a civilian can get. And uh, But, you know, the picture came out, and it's on Instagram, and it's Jim, you know, in the Oval Office with Matt Centrowitz and Alan Webb. And, you know, just – as far as American distance running goes, I mean, what an iconic picture that is, you know multiple generations of absolute legends, but I mean, you look at it, and we got some real distance runners in this room. Let me put it that way, right. We got Alan Webb wearing this suit that I don't know who let him walk out of the house in there. This is a legend of the sport, and then we got matt centro and you guys can jump on me real quick if you want, right? I, I've been back and forth on Centro many times. So if this is common practice, it is what it is. But he's standing there wearing his gold medal. I mean, I don't know how I feel about that, but you guys can chime in on that. Bad Centro just busting out the gold medal. I mean, how do we feel about just like showing up to events wearing your gold medal? Mike, is it? I, I I make it this, I'm going to make this yep. promise to you once. I'll make this promise to all the listeners. If I ever win a gold medal. I will never take that thing off. I'll only take it off to shower. I'll take it off the shower to shower, but I will wear that thing 24-7. To every every function, every event, every award ceremony, I'm wearing my gold medal. So any excuse you get to wear that gold medal, I am not gonna hold it against you. And and I guess I guess I maybe it's just because it's central and I'm like ultra sensitive with Centro, where it's like you know one day i love him one day i hate him type of thing just like the and and, okay so maybe this is an event where it's acceptable it's a you know a big deal but the idea of just being like i'm gonna put on a suit and tie and walk out into the world wearing my gold medal seems weird to me but you're right like i i'm i have no place here to be criticizing but i also the other thing i wanted to point out was you know you have matt Centro. it's wearing his gold medal, and just looking swaggy as hell, looking good in his nice tailored suit, standing next to our boy Webb there, who, I mean, it just couldn't be more polar opposites, right? More polar opposite distance runners. One guy, you know, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I guess you have to see the picture, but it's... it's no, you're, you're right. You're, you, I think leading with the Centro wearing the medal is the wrong thing. I mean, you got you got Centro <laughs> wearing his medal, you got Jim Ryan getting his award, and then you got Alan Webb, who is one of the goofiest looking dudes in the world. He's and one of the goofy- standing there. And they, the other two guys are wearing their awards, their medals, and he's just standing there with no medal. It's just strange. It's just a weird picture. I mean, like, it's like, this is one of, like, the greatest American middle distance runners of all time. And if I saw that picture and had no idea what I was looking at, I would be like, who are these two important dudes standing with up there? Like, who is that third guy standing with these two clearly very important gentlemen? <laughs>
2: start producing this podcast, I start to see some trends. Um, Mikey, I really don't know what your problem is because you went after my buddy Galen Rupp a few weeks ago for a race that happened 10 years ago. The guy just represented <laughs> our country at the last fun event we went to before Corona came around. And now this poor kid won a gold medal and he, go, he gets invited to the White House. And he obviously, I feel like in an easy uh, you know, move, wears this gold medal. And I feel like it's the least shocking move of all time, but you seem to have a problem with it. So I, do you have a problem with, you know, the biggest stars in our sport, Mike?
1: You also, you know, is it a coincidence that you're defending these guys who both just happen to be Oregon ducks? I mean, is that just a coincidence? I mean,
2: not only are they Oregon ducks, but they're champions. You know, nothing I love more than a good champion and a good American. And they both represent the country well, and you seem to have a problem with them. So I just, again, is it? do you have a problem with the greatest athletes in our sport?
1: I feel like I've been very, very open about my love-hate relationship with both Galen Rupp and Matthew Sentruitz. And they are both polarizing figures, right? They are monsters in our sport, but they're polarizing figures for many different reasons. And, you know, I'm a... I feel like I've been open about my wish-washiness, right? If Matt Centruitz is wearing Team USA on his chest and lines up at Olympics, you will not find a bigger Matt Centruitz fan in the entire world. But I'm also going to be super critical of him and, you know, give him a hard time for every little thing he does because sometimes he rubs me the wrong way. I don't know what to tell you. I'll find some clips. And I've been on the record. <laughs>
2: Jesus.
1: I've been on the record. About you know being a supporter, like we gotta back our we gotta back our best shots at a medal. So, let's move on into the next news story. That's all I got for the news, gentlemen. All right. <laughs> so on that, all right. Let's kick off our interview with Marty Heher. Marty is part of the 2015 Syracuse national championship team in cross country. He was also sixth at the Olympic trials in the marathon this past February. Marty's a real interesting dude. We had an awesome conversation with him. Let's talk to him. Thanks for uh thanks for making some time to, to chat with us tonight. No, thanks. Thanks for having me. I didn't so, realize it was a crew here. Yeah we come at you with a squad. <laughs> I'm ready. But it's Wait, just like a party every time we get on here. We're just like you know, hanging out, you know, shooting the shit. It's it's a great time.
0: Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. I got it. I got
1: it. Wait, where are you at right now, Marty? You said you're East Coast time. Where where is that? Philadelphia. Philly. All right. Are you a Philly guy, born and
0: raised? No, not even no. close. Yeah, okay. Right. Now, I'm from like a small town in uh, upstate New York.
1: Well, <laughs> hey, Marty, I, I got to start off this interview with this question, right? Okay, so. Mm-hmm. 2015 cross country team national champion. You're the, you're the, you finished sixth at the, uh, the, the uh, Olympic trials. You're in your third year of med school. Is that correct? Mm hmm. Third year of med school. No, oh, no, no.
0: Fourth year. I'm on. Fourth I'm a, I'm year.
1: So you're in your fourth year. You mm-hmm. got a wife. You got two little kids. Mm-hmm. Bro, can you just like chill out? You're making the rest of us look bad. Like, just slow down a little bit, like save some, spread out the accomplishments a little bit. Like my wife's going to hear this and she's going to be like, dude, step your game up. What are you doing
0: with your life? (laughs) Dude, I get that a lot. I get that a lot. like, (laughs) like, whoa, you got two, well now, I mean, I've only had two kids for three weeks. So (laughs) congratulations, by the way. Thank you very much. Um, So excuse me if I look a little tired, but no worries, man. (laughs) Kind of comes with the territory. (laughs) so hey I I, and, and you know on that you
1: know I think a lot of the people especially the people that you were lining up against at the trials you know their life is running everything in their life is centered around doing that sport and not that your life wasn't centered around getting to the trials and running that race but you're accomplishing other things in your life you're not focused on just that Just doing that, just doing that race. In fact, the other things in your life are probably way more important. Does that allow you to kind of like relax a little bit
0: and just kind of go with the flow a little bit more? Oh, that's like, that's like entirely why I do it. I mean, not why I do it, but yes, in short, yeah, like I think, like I did the running thing for a year. I I ran for the NAZ elite team, uh, like fresh out of college. I did did a year out, out in Arizona, just running. And it was, it was great. It was fun. My, like, you know, my wife and then girlfriend, what like came out with me and we were doing that. But ultimately by the end of the year, like, I kind of realized like there's, I could be doing so much more. Like, I mean, you know, some runners love that, that lifestyle of just like video games and Netflix all day long. Um, And I got nothing against that. Like, I mean, if I could do it, I would, but, um, yeah like doing all the other stuff going to school like like just kind of like keeping things going on track with the the rest of my life I feel like has made the running so much easier because I'm truly just doing it because I like I'll because I want to because I love it um and like with that it just takes all the pressure off and it makes it a lot easier to go and run fast and bang heads with uh some of the best guys out there
1: Yeah, when Steve was listening to your accomplishments there, I was, you know, kind of talking to my wife before we get on the interview, just kind of telling her about what we were talking about tonight. And it makes it even worse because you and I graduated college in the same year. And she's like, what's going on? She's like, you won't even let me get a dog. And he's out there (laughs) doing all this stuff. So, yeah, no, you you are making us look bad. But so you you already do all these things, right? You got a million things on your plate. Mm -hmm. What is one thing that you, you know, maybe a hobby, something you do in your life that's like, you know, everyone knows about your med school, everyone knows about your running. Those are like the right. things that are surrounding you. What is the one thing that you know people don't talk about that you've somehow managed to squeeze into your busy schedule?
0: Oh gosh. <laughs> if I mean, anything. <laughs> I mean, there's not too much squeeze of anything <laughs> else, to be perfectly honest, at, at this point. Um, no, I mean we really just like like all my free time, any free time I have goes towards like the babies. Or like we we frequently go from Philly back up to we're both from that small town in 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 New York so so that's where the grandparents are so like any free time we have we usually just go take take a two and a half hour ride north and um you know spend time with with the family because I outside of that dude I'm pretty boring I don't I don't do much else
1: <laughs> yeah you're well, boring I'm- all right yeah you got yeah. nothing going on in life. <laughs> like, well I'm I'm glad you said that honestly because I was gonna be like if you have like another cool interesting hobby that you do amongst all this I'm gonna be pissed like that's just that's that's too much
0: <laughs> no, undercover life now yeah I, I do cook dinner most nights though so that 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 <laughs> I mean right. I do enjoy cooking so sick what's your specialty <laughs> which is what what's your specialty what's your specialty which, ditch I mean it probably it really goes back to college but some sort of burrito bowl concoction. Which, right. you know, if there's a tortilla around then it'll be a burrito but if not you can just make everything you put in burrito and throw it in a bowl can't can't <laughs> go wrong with that
1: so you mentioned uh, that you ran for uh, the NAZ elite for a year and mm-hmm. then you kind of went out and you, you went to school and you joined you joined up with the the you know the, the Reebok Boston team correct mm-hmm. and yep. so and, and then you, you you lined up on the starting line against a bunch of the NAZ guys at the trials and you know I think we're, we're fans of the NAZ team you know we had Scott Smith on this podcast uh we had Fobble on this podcast even though I don't think he liked us very much but you <laughs> lined up against them and you know you outperformed them I think they they kind of had a little bit of a disappointing day um do you think that the change in coaching or the change in training team kind of helped it all or kind of helped you on race day
0: I mean yeah like I think like I did I did well under um kind of coach Ben Rosario's training system. But um ultimately when I started when I started school, I actually was being trained remotely by Ben for like the remainder of twenty seven twenty seventeen, I believe it was. Um and Ultimate, like with the schedule that I, I had now, he was still trying to have me do things pretty like regimented and like do it without taking into consideration like all this other stuff I had going on. So then when, when I switched back and, you know, well, then I, I finished in 2017 then I kind of joined the, 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 well, it was more I texted Coach Fox and he's like, all right, I would love to start coaching you again and we're starting this team. I was like, perfect, that's amazing. Um, but getting back with coach Fox, whose style is way more like laid back and a lot more of like, he trusts us to fill in the details, um, as far as like when to double how long to go on easy days. And, um, so with that flexibility, um, it just meshed really well with kind of like my school schedule and things that I had going on. Um, so really like I talked to Fox the day before, or, you know, for like workouts and out, outside of that, I was kind of filling in the cracks. Um, and I think that combination of just kind of, yeah, like we had a really good re- relationship and having that. And that's kind of how it was going into the trials as well um, for a little bit. I did get down to Charlottesville um, and train with, with Colin Benny, who was um, my teammate who who got nine. Um, so I di- I did get there for the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. and do some hands-on stuff. But the I think getting back to my college training, um, well, you know, college s- style, I should say, um, because that's where I was with Fox for, for five years. I think, I don't know, I think my body really liked getting back to that. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, you can see it, it definitely worked. <laughs> it, you talked about kind of like a little bit more of a
1: relaxed approach to the coaching and filling in the cracks. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's just got to be really – you know, that's got to be really nice for a marathoner, you know, just kind of listening to your body, figuring it out. Like you got to have a plan, but then right. part of it, you have to figure it out as you kind of go along. I mean, I'm not a coach, like I'm not, you know, I'm not here to to say one system is better than the other, but to me, that just makes sense for a marathon training plan. It
0: does. I mean, I, I totally agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: so we were we were all down in atlanta uh the three of us for the the trials great time just unbelievable time you know probably the last cool thing we did before we were all stuck in our houses for the last six months but Mm -hmm. i mean i gotta say and i i've heard you talk about this in the past that you know you weren't really surprised with yourself but i mean none of us you know kind of saw your name in the top 10 and we were like wow this guy's unbelievable where did he come from type of thing and uh you know, I was pumped and started following your story long after. And, you know, I kind of got a kick out of the fact that we have an incredible storyline with everything you're doing. And for some reason, the whole, you know, media storm latches onto one ridiculous story about how you took a potty break. And it's like, (laughs) sometimes, I mean, I do have funny questions. And, you know, maybe I'll get into them. Maybe I won't. But it's like, it's funny how media does this right like we latch on to one thing and we talk about the fact that you stopped to you know use the bathroom for like 15 seconds in a in a marathon and that's the question that you got asked about there was articles written about it. it's like does it drive you nuts that you just had like the biggest accomplishment in your running career and then that's the question that you have to, you know answer a hundred times over i mean
0: it doesn't bother me like i'm used to (laughs) I'm used to getting zero attention, so getting anything, it's fine. Um, you know, I'm I'm proud of what I've done, and I mean, it was funny. It, it is funny, you know. You don't really hear that too much of guys stopping to poop in the middle of a pretty elite race <laughs> and still doing well. So, you know, right. I I got a kick out of it, and I yeah, I feel like with media and stuff, it's whatever's gonna like generate the most buzz and get the most clicks. <laughs> and that was definitely more impressive right, <laughs> especially now, now with running I, especially yeah. with running they like find one thing
1: relatable about you and they latch onto it and they just yeah. beat it to death <laughs> all right now that i just like crapped on that mindset for a little bit no let me ask intended. you one question no pun intended let me get let me get, ask you one question so when you're entering the porta potty right and it's like oh. you know you, you know this is the decision you're making are you thinking to yourself like all right this has to be the you know MVP all-star performance I gotta be as quick and you know efficient as I possibly can is that are you just like worrying about taking care of business
0: yeah I mean I wasn't overly thinking like (laughs) how fast I had to make it I just knew it was it had to be an in and out and you gotta you, you you got to think here. I was thinking about this for like six miles. Like this wasn't <laughs> like this wasn't like a last minute, like, oh, what, what's going on? Like, you know, this thing was sitting and I was like, man, thinking like this is going to, this, this isn't good. This isn't good. So by the time like push came to shove, like I was ready. I was ready for the quick, for, for that quick performance. <laughs>
1: Plotting it out every step for 10K. Right. He's right. like, I, I got I, I this. I'm ready game. to roll.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh, man. All (laughs) right. So we got to go. So, you know, speaking of being an underdog coming out of nowhere, we got to go back to 2015 and talk about that Syracuse team that kind of shocked the world Hmm. and came out of nowhere, won the national championship. And just can you tell me what it was like to be part of that team and kind of like I said, you know, be the underdog going into that race and shock the world?
0: Yeah, I never get tired of answering this question. (laughs) Because like that 2015 team, that's still like, hands down like the most like amazing experience and like emotional feeling that I ever, you know, had in the sport um, to date because it really was like, you know, something that when I signed on in Syracuse, like they were, they made NCAAs, but they were a very consistent, mediocre team finishing. I think we finished 15th like, like six years in a row and like just couldn't get over that hump, including my freshman year. Um, And then, but like the thought was, and like what the what Coach Fox and Coach Bell preach was like, we're good. We're like you know, you will be a a big stepping stone in like getting us on that podium, and like the podium was always the goal. Um, So yeah, I mean, so like that was literally the mindset when I signed back in 2011. And then each each year, you know, like you know, it wasn't like you're overly thinking anything. You're just trying to do the best you can in in the moment but um we got 15th again that first year and then we got tenth. a couple more good recruits came by then we got fifth um and that year we got fifth Justin was there you know he was a pretty key key person in our, in our performance but he bombed like I mean that was his his freshman year he wasn't even top seven I don't think um and then finally like that final year like my my fifth year was was it um and like when we won, I mean, well, there was just no words to to be said. Like, Coach Fox and Coach Bell, I mean, I you know, I went in and it, at least we were still, you know, a team that made it NCAA. When Coach Fox and Coach Bell got there, like, the team was was losing to Miami in the Big East, like, bottom of the bowl, like, terrible. Um, and they were always told, like, it just couldn't be done in Syracuse. It's like, crap weather, half the year. It's just, like, people don't want to go there. It's just not, not a place to – to do it. Um, so I think we all kind of took that chip on, uh, on our shoulder as the years went on and like, yeah, so to, to go out and finally win was like, just beyond words. It, it was the coolest thing ever.
1: Yeah. I remember that season It is so, I mean, you were, you were a fifth year senior mm-hmm. in 2015. Right. And so, you know, I think that going into a race like that, in order to win you need to have the confidence that you can win even if it's an unspoken confidence right? right like you can't you can't win a race like that unless you deep down believe that you can that you can make it happen as the as like a as a senior leader on that team was there a moment during that season where it kind of clicked for you or it was like I think we can do this
0: yeah I think there definitely was you know like going into the season that was the goal like we got fifth year before we're like damn like we need the, like like, we're ready to podium, we're ready to try to win. But, you know, again, it was unspoken for most of the year, but we started winning, you know, we won um, the the big Wisconsin race, and that was a pretty big one, because that's almost like a little mini nationals. But then the week before ACC's was kind of like our, our last big workout, um, kind of like our last big, big blowout, and we ran up our, like, our famed hill, like it's called Sweet Road. It's a, it's literally it's a 10k road, straight shot uphill. I mean, like a, it, you climb like a thousand feet or so in that in that point two five. And we we we've been doing that every year, multiple times. That's just our spot. But we did that. We did four miles up, like 90 seconds off, and then all out mile um on like more of a flatter sec like the flattest section if they're you know it's still hills but it ends up I think like a net being flat um and man like we we blissed it like I think like even our our five six seven guys were like low 430s and then you know kind of like the top guys me Justin and Colin ran like four four somewhere in the 420s I don't even remember at this point but like it was just something where at the time in college that was really good and we were like you know we were all freaking on cloud nine after that getting all pumped like we are ready like we are in shape so I think pretty much that that was a huge turning point where we knew like we were fit enough to 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 do it
1: that's crazy I I mean, I I think back to running cross country in college. We're we're cross country guys. Like we love, we think that's the best part of our, of our sport and never to that level. Obviously like that is, that's incredible. But I remember uh, there's, you know, two or three workouts in my head that I remember where just the team kicked ass and there is no better. I mean, you feel like a complete badass when you finish a cross country workout, you're probably in like, you know, the middle of the woods somewhere, everyone's just like, drenched in sweat and you're feeling yourself you're just like yeah there is nothing I can't do right now there's nothing that this group of people can't do right now so that is that's a badass feeling I love it
0: now that's exactly it
1: exactly me Mike and our other uh co-host Trent who isn't here like if we could pick if we could pick one college accomplishment you know any type of national championship whatever I think without a doubt all three of us would pick the ability to win a team cross country title, especially the way that you did it as like kind of a blue collar out of yeah. nowhere mindset. Oh. I think it's just one of the coolest stories in the sport. For, for, forget uh, running accomplishment. I might take that
0: as like life. accomplishment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It uh, was up there. I, I, you know, only because I know coach Fox won't ever see this, but coach Fox when we did like rings and like the big kind of like our little mini team ceremony, like months later, got our rings and like um it was just the team and like you know Fox he's he's not one for like speeches or, or anything but like he gave like a little toast and he's like he was he was crying he he doesn't really cry but he like worked himself up into some tears and said this is like the proudest moments of my life and yeah I have a kid and like <laughs> yeah I, I did have a kid born and we like, <laughs> were just like we were just laughing because like <laughs> really like that's how much it meant um and how and how special it was because truly i mean we always say like winning that team race is like the hardest race to win as a team like in any team race in our sport like you i can't think of a like of any other race that's that would be like harder to win so besides sure. like, world cross yeah <laughs> but, like who cares about that
1: Just so <laughs> so one uh You know, speaking of your accomplishments and all that stuff, I I noticed recently that you uh, gave a commencement speech for, uh, you know, high school. You did it virtually. Mm -hmm. And I I don't know. I want you to think back to, you know, yourself in high school and, you know, where you were there. Did you ever envision, you know, yourself, you know, just 10 years later? It's not like you're way down the road and, you know, 40 years later and have all these accomplishments. Just 10 years, you know, after graduating high school, giving a commencement speech and you know giving advice to to these younger kids I mean did you ever foresee something
0: like that no way like yeah yeah, it it was definitely like a surreal call when, when I got a call from the principal who was still the principal when I was there and and he asked and I was like whoa this is like alternate reality here um no because that just wasn't how I thought like you know I wasn't thinking about racking up accomplishments and like doing things like that i just like you know did what i enjoyed doing um so it was really cool getting that 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 call even though it was you know having to like film it myself and like send it in it definitely what it was interesting and not it would have been really cool to get to stand up in front of those kids and, and like really talk to them but uh yeah like you know i i don't think you know we can't predict the future you know so that, that's just how how it ended up for me
1: so speaking of the future you know like we we started off the interview talking about all the things you, you got going on in your life and um you know I, I guess my my last question for you is was this this olympic trials was that kind of your swan song in the sport or do you still have unfinished business all right do you still have race on the calendar Are you still going after this high level running thing or was that was that it
0: that is a fantastic question <laughs> because there's an, I don't really have a good answer yet because in my head I was kind of chalking it up. Um, the, like the Olympic trials is being my like my final kind of big push to like do something big. Um, cause I mean, I moved around, I took time off from school. I had to work, I worked, I had to pull a lot of strings and like move a lot of things around to like make sure I could, I could train like, you know, and, and, and do well um and of course like i finished that race and like that week i was just like man i want to keep running like like, like i still want to do it like there's, i'm not just gonna stop um and i you know i was already planning i, I was gonna run new york city like that was kind of like in the back of my head and what i was gonna plan on doing and like working things out again but of course covid kind of you know ruined everything um So now we'll see now it's going to get a little tougher because ultimately, you know, when I finish this year, I'm going to apply to a a residency program, which essentially is, you know, just work and more training, but you are, I mean, you work like, like a dog, like you work 60 to eight hours to 80 hours a week for a few years. And like, there's really not going to be realistically any like real competitive running happening once I start that um and as of right now I'm, i don't think i'm planning on like postponing that or, or anything but um you never know i feel like it's kind of hard to predict anything right now with like the fact that you know <laughs> this I virus like the world um yeah but that's a good question so the answer is it was going to be and then it wasn't and now much <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's okay well we're, we're, we're looking forward to seeing where you end up with that question um and hopefully in the not too distant future but we're not going to let you off the that easily we end every interview with a quick game so mike why don't you kick off down the home stretch down the home stretch rapid fire questions we're going to pick a specific topic hit you with them your topic we kind of talked about a lot in the beginning you got a lot going on so we're going to talk a little time management steve's going to hit you with the first question let's do it all right. You know, I, I feel like you got so much going on in your life. You're the person asked, what's the solution to procrastination? How do you deal with procrastination?
0: Oh, man. I mean, if you literally have too much going on, where like you, you lose that window to procrastinate, then you can't procrastinate. Gotcha. Um, All right. But the real solution to getting to getting stuff done is getting up early. Okay. If you wake up, the earlier you wake up, the more you you can get that run in and you can get anything you, you want it. You know, 4 or 5 a.m., your day gets real
2: long. I'm just gonna go right off of that. That went right into what I was uh, gonna ask you about. Waking up early is a huge, huge problem. Mine just this morning rolled on top of my phone while I was sleeping. It's a long list of issues I have. So, what do I have to do to wake up early? I really need help. (laughs) I mean, you rolled on your phone. I mean, you got
0: it, you set the. I don't have to do this, but this is what I would do If I was in Europe, I would set the alarm And put it across the room Where you gotta get out of bed
2: So so I watch a show As I fall asleep every night, I watch the office It's just kind of my nice routine Soothes me as I go to sleep So do I just have to stop watching the show? Well, you're not having trouble falling asleep No, because my phone's on my bed as I watch it
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're watching on your phone Mm. Get a separate alarm clock
1: good answer okay. i thought for Boom. sure you're gonna say get an infant that's uh that's how I'm you gonna get him.
0: a baby you never get <laughs> an <alarm> clock again <laughs> i haven't set a real alarm in a long time
1: <laughs> well so flo's office question leads me into mine perfectly you know with all your you know stuff going on where do you fit in time to watch netflix and like tiger king and stuff like that
0: we squeeze it in like that's like in. the one thing me and my wife do like when when the baby's asleep, we usually have like an hour, ch- and an hour maybe two to like finish cleaning up and like watch TV wind down before bed. So that, so in that hour, we'll usually get an episode of whatever show that, that we're going for. But the office, I crushed the office for the first time during the two months that I had to train for, for the, the trials. So like I was watching the last episode of The Office for the first time, like a week before the trial, I was like, I was getting all teary eyed, man. It was an emotional experience, but you know, it luckily didn't uh, take, take too much out of me.
1: <laughs> so you're writing a paper for, for school and you're, you're on like page eight and you got to get to page 10, but you got to get that long run. And what's your go-to trick for messing with like the margins, like the period font to get that, get that little extra that you need?
0: to get the little extra, I have no problem going, like, when you can do the line spacing, depending if it's, you know, is it 1.5, is it double spaced, but you can go, like, 2.05, you know, you can throw in the point whatever's in there, and they would never know.
1: That's right, that's right. I
0: have done increasing the size of the periods. Oh, that's the best one, that's
1: the best one.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, I actually lived in Glens Falls, New York, upstate New York, And I don't know if it was like Washingtonville, but there was nothing going on. I don't know if that would help or hurt my time management skills as I get into adulthood. Do you think that helped or hurt hurt you? Um, Look, I mean, I've always been like a grandpa at heart.
0: So, yeah, Washingtonville didn't have much going on. That's a fact. But I never – I was never one to go out and do anything anyway. So, it was perfect.
1: Mike, hit him with the last question. All right, if you had one extra hour in your day every day, what would you do with it?
0: Honestly, I would probably sit down and play like play like a stupid phone game. Like I used to have a bad habit of like words with friends, clash of clans, like, you know, any of those stupid games that can take up hours of, of your time. I've had to delete them all over the years. Like <laughs> I've put in like so much time and I'm just like, it's this like revolving thing. So yeah. if if i had an extra hour a day and it was all mine i would just download a stupid game and that would be my hour to all
1: right man this has been a ton of fun we really appreciate you coming on and uh you know we're really going to be looking forward to seeing where your career goal goes and what you decide to
0: do over the next couple years i I really appreciate it me too
1: with marty is brought to you by bell lap track and field gear where your purchases go directly back to professional athletes support the sport you love with the help of the bell Lap boys look good feel good run good gentlemen speaking of looking good and feeling good and running good you see that you see this hat i got on here looking this, fresh this Mike. this sweet wow. little hat here yeah our guy over at a uh, bell app track field sent it to me it's like automatically already my new favorite hat it's so sick it's got the dope gold bell app logo on there i guess he uh, heard me talking about how my my head is too small for some hats so he sent me a hat that you know fits my head nice and perfectly and i can feel good knowing that this gear is going back to supporting the athletes in our sport gotta love it love the guys over at bell lap check it out i mean i'm a little nervous because that that hat because you're looking good you're feeling good that just took like two seconds off your two mile time for sure absolutely don't it yeah so (laughs) so go support bell lap check them out support us p2e2 miler coming up soon it's gonna be awesome so we're gonna get into another episode of p2e classics and we're gonna go back and we're gonna watch we're gonna watch a little bit of a throwback ncaa indoor race so we're gonna we're gonna watch joe falcone men's 3000 meter indoor national championship so this was sent to us by our guy jason neely longtime fan of the show um he's he's an arkansas guy so he wanted to send this to us thank you jason neely for sending this to us this was an awesome race. We're going to watch it right now. So, and, and if anybody else has any, any other races that they want us to kind of review on P2E classics, don't hesitate to DM them to us. So if you guys want to, you know, as always, we're going to give you a YouTube video that you can watch along, you know, watch the video, come back and listen to the recap. It's on YouTube. It's just Joe Falcone dash men's 3000 meter dash 1988 NCAA indoor championship. Um, so watch it, and we'll kind of get into it.
2: An instant classic, genius, genius, genius!
1: All right, boys. So after watching that, Joe Falcone might be my new favorite runner of all time. Like what a move! What a move! I mean, it's it's a pretty boring race for the most part. I guess he he won the mile earlier in the NCAA national championship. And he comes into the comes into three k, and for the most part, pretty boring race, right? but he's coming into the last quarter mile kind of getting up on the heels of the, of the leader. And then going into the last 200, the bell's ringing dude just puts his hand up in the air, starts pumping up the crowd and takes, you know, takes the lead runs the whole last lap in the, in the lead, looks back going down the, down the home stretch, easy win. I mean, guys, I I love this. I love this move so much. I love everything about it. And I mean, you kind of just like watch the race the whole time. And, you know, sometimes we get on people for like the sitting and the kicking type deal, but it w- it was a double for him. And he's, you know, it's a team championship type deal. So I thought he ran the race perfect. And if you watch those guys, you don't know who any of them are. You don't know anything about running. I mean, everybody else looks choppy and looks like this. I mean, he j- it looked so easy for him. There was no doubt in anybody's mind that this guy was going to win. It just looked like a joke for him. And then when he takes off, I mean, see ya later. I mean, you talk about a guy celebrating in front of you. What more motivation to like try and do something crazy and go after him? Doesn't matter. Nobody has a chance. But the only thing, I mean, Joe's the man, love him. The only thing worth talking about in this video is how big of a weenie that commentator (laughs) is. Holy smokes. We got this electric factory guy. Pumping up his home crowd in Arkansas, the place is going nuts, and this guy's going, "Don't do that, Joe!" Some yellow-jacket clown says, yellow "This jacket. is America's greatest distance runner." So out of character, don't do. That. I mean, what a weenie loser that guy is! Oh man, yeah, I, I mean, but in in you know, in a small way, it kind of it kind of made the video a little bit where it's just For like, sure, you know, this guy, Joe does. I mean, he, it wasn't like he opened up a huge gap. He literally just stepped in front of the leader going to the last lap, raised his hand up, pumped the crowd in and the, in and the whole last lap, the announcer's just like, don't do that, Joe, don't do that. And it made it, it made it 10 times funnier. But it, I mean, it, I mean in the moment now, like, right, like 20, 30 years later, it makes it funnier. But if I was watching that race, I mean, they didn't talk about the race the entire last 200 meters because we had this weenie talking about how disappointed he was in, in Joe. It's like, dude, shut up and get over yourself and commentate the damn race. Yeah. I mean, he should have been talking about how, I mean, how cool would it have been if the announcer was like, look at this swagger, look at this confidence to call the race with a yeah. lap to go with a small lead. I mean, that would have been such a better commentating rather than just and, being like, Oh no, Joe, don't do that. Joe, don't do that. And, and I would have been fine with him saying something along the lines of, Oh, I hope he doesn't regret that or something or like something along yeah. the lines of like, you know, if he loses this, like that could come back to bite him, but like, don't like shame him as he's, you know, doubling for a national championship and pulling a move. That's like, baby. yeah, I wish you saw more of. calling you shot. I mean that I, I what, what it would, it would be awesome if more people did stuff like that and had, you know, a little bit of cockiness and did some cool things. And just like, it, it goes to show you how far back the, like, be, like the bad energy in our sport is where we're kind of like hurting ourselves. It goes back to that where it's like, this guy does something like swaggy and cool and gets shamed for it. So I, I just did some like quick research. And by research, I meant I, I went to Wikipedia right after we watched the video. But I, I, I was kind of embarrassed that I had never heard of this guy. Um, and so I was just kind of like looking at his, his accomplishments on um, Wikipedia. And it looks like he didn't really have much of a pro career. Um, he was ranked third in the 1500s in the 1500 meters in 1990, but it also looks like he got spiked in a race and it tore, it essentially tore his Achilles and he was never the same after that. So in a race in Belgium, he got spiked. And that was kind of the end of his career, which really stinks. And it also like kind of begs the question if it was, if he had any, you know, if, if there was, if there was small, um, you know, if, if, if there was small, you know, strides making in the medical field or just kind of the, the medical attention that runners got back in the late 80s early 90s if he would have gone on to have a have a great career in the sport but kind of too bad like a guy with that much swagger that much talent just kind of never really panned out to be anything professionally
2: so if you want people to watch this sport holy you if you're listening to this right now go watch the video for me, this was the most entertaining running thing I've ever seen, and I'll tell you why. The the, the track is yellow and orange, uh, alternate color. The, like, corners of the track are elevated, which is banana. It looks like a 3D type of thing there's people in the stands you got see little kids like screaming into the camera it looks like um like a legends of the hidden temple or like a Nick gas like <laughs> compet- athletic competition it had that feel from like inside the arena it looks like you're almost dizzy looking at the court they look so fast and yeah the guy screaming was obviously awful the announcer but that was insane it looks like legends of the hidden temple competition like that was a race that anyone watching would be like alright this is intense no matter what happens here and the movie at the end was sick but that, if anyone go watch that right now because I've never seen a race like that before and are the um corners like elevated am I wrong was I so just- Pat
1: so Pat no 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 no. you're right but you kind of you kind of proving our point something that we say a lot on this podcast that indoor track is one of the most exciting events in this sport because yeah the tracks are a little different so they're it, it's half the it's half the length so it goes from a 400 meter track to a 200 meter track right and because people whip around the the turns so fast they kind of bank them or they lift up the corners so they don't you know you kind of don't go off the track but it's a stadium atmosphere it's a smaller track people are on top of the track it's way more exciting it's just it's kind of I think it's the best atmosphere in the sport when you have like an intense indoor meet like that that's something we talk about a lot on this on the on the podcast
2: is that legal for the two miler to run with like corners um, <laughs> slanted downward because if, if, if I want to give it, that a go. If you, if you, you can, can get on an, an indoor track, track,
1: go for it. Do you so, think it would help me? I mean, <laughs> it would help. I'll tell you. I'll tell you this much, Pat. If even even if an NFL player got oh, to run on a bank track and I didn't run on a bank track, I would still smoke them. Okay, doubt it, but we'll see. So it, it I to your point, I had similar notes though because I do think you know obviously the banks tracks are a a common thing and indoor atmosphere can be cooler, but there was something about this track that just did seem electric. I don't know if it was the colors, but it just seemed like the fans were going crazy or maybe the fans are more like on top of the, I I don't know what it was. Something in this video was like, this place is going nuts and the track meet looked awesome. So yeah, no, I I totally agree. It was amazing. The other thing, a a couple other notes that I had here, I just want to make sure I get them all. Ah, uh, the hair. I know we're talking the '80s here, but I mean, just there was so much long hair in this race. It was it. It was just interesting to see. You, you watch a race, and it's like you feel like you're in a different world watching that race. Just the the way the video was shot, like the noise of the commentators, stuff like that, and then you see these guys with their long, flowing hair, and just the the sport looks different. It wasn't. It wasn't really that long ago. All right, boys. Awesome race. Thanks again to Jason Neely for sending that in. It was a lot of fun to watch. But other than that, boys, let's kick off the bell lap. Mike, what do you got for people on the bell lap? Pretty pretty simple one this week. You know, a lot of people aren't going to get this. Maybe some OG listeners, uh, but mostly, you know, just a few random people out there. But if you know, you know. Uh, we're recording this on Gundy Day. Happy Gundy Day. One of the best days of the year, July 27th. Haven't talked to my brother since July 27th. Shout out. That's all I got to say. Pro Flow, what do you got for people on the bell lap?
2: Yeah, I'm um, looking forward to the DMs that I'll be getting in my Twitter mentions. Bring it on. Um, I think, you know, I'm going to show some respect to the greatest league in the country. That's the NFL. So that's, that's just that. Um, but, you know, if it went anything like my request for mentions to help me run the P2E2 miler, I got zero of those. So I'm expecting, again, the running world to not show up and not defend their sport against me. But other than that, um, no, love it. Happy to be here again.
1: All right, guys, I don't have anything for you on the Bell app other than if you haven't signed up for the two-miler. What the hell are you waiting for? It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a great time. I mean, it's going to be the best virtual event, virtual running event of the quarantine, of this crazy COVID-19 crap that's going on. So sign up, have some fun with us, or at least at the very least, just kind of look at it as a way to kind of support this podcast and keep it going because we love what we're doing. We're having a ton of fun and we're we're having a ton of fun getting to meet the people that are kind of becoming part of this community. So um, go sign up. You know, go sign up on peak2early.com. It's gonna be fun. Other than that, boys, I would have run faster, but I peaked too early. Pat, hit me with the joke. Desperately. I desperately need the baseball season to get canceled because I'm about to lose everything on the Red Sox this year. Every overbet. I'm just gonna lose every cent I have on the Red Sox. Like I got smoked this week. They're losing they're getting killed by the Mets already. I'm gonna lose every cent I have on the Red Sox this year. I need I need COVID ten baseball. They had like an entire offseason plus an extra two months to figure out who was gonna start on the fourth day of the season. And they still hadn't figured it out. That's when I was just like, We this is this is just not
0: gonna go well. This Calculate is not gonna how go many well. Days that was.